This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Ashley Webster. I'm Kennedy. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, September 19th, 2022, I'm Mike Emanuel. Republicans are hoping voters will put the GOP in charge following November's midterm elections. One seat the GOP is targeting is New Jersey's 7th Congressional District, currently held by Democratic Congressman Tom Malinowski, who is firing back at his Republican challenger, Tom Kane. I'm out there talking about what we're actually doing, what we're actually delivering for voters in New Jersey. I'm not hearing any alternatives from my opponent. I'm Chris Foster. Family and food are really important to Fox & Friends co-host Steve Ducey. Everybody has happy foods, foods that remind you of home or your mom or a happy time. And so in this new cookbook, we've got another hundred recipes of foods that make people happy. And I'm DeRoy Murdoch. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. About seven weeks out from the critical midterm elections that will decide the balance of power in Congress, and soon it will be up to the voters. Vice President Kamala Harris and a political rally in Chicago emphasized what's at stake for Democrats in November. We've got to hold on to our numbers in the House and the Senate, because without Democratic majorities in Congress, the writing on the wall seems to be pretty clear about what other rights they'll also come after. But with a 50-50 Senate and a single-digit majority in the House, it won't take much for Republicans to regain the majority on Capitol Hill. House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik says there are plenty of vulnerable Democrats. Ultimately, voters are smart and voters are going to hold Democrats accountable, which is why, as you look at the map, you have seats that traditionally maybe had been Democrat historically, but Republicans have a once in a generation opportunity to win them. One key race Republicans are targeting is in true blue New Jersey. The 7th District is currently represented by Democrat Tom Malinowski. But a Republican with a famous name in the Garden State, Tom Kane, son of a former New Jersey governor, told Fox News Rundown Malinowski is a rubber stamp for President Biden and Speaker Pelosi's spending proposals. He was the first person from New Jersey to say that he was going to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, even though he had promised people in this district that he would have uh, not voted for any reconciliation bill that didn't include the SALT deduction. So in addition to massive new government spending, he's voting for every single spending bill. Today, it's Congressman Malinowski's chance to respond and talk about his priorities in this race. People are really fired up about the election in my New Jersey district. Tom Malinowski is running for re-election in New Jersey's 7th Congressional District. I think a lot of folks understand the stakes in this election. They want to see a Congress that keeps on tackling our country's economic problems rather than getting mired in culture war politics and banning abortion and drama that we thought we left behind in the last administration or the last century. And so I expect a very high turnout 
closely contested election and very confident that I'm going to come out on top. We recently spoke with your GOP opponent, Tom Kane, on the rundown. He talked about uh, concerns about excess spending in Washington affecting the people of New Jersey. How do you respond to these claims by Republicans and Kane specifically? Well, I wish I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, I'm, I'm always open to specific criticism of our policies, but if he's talking about excess spending, is he criticizing the infrastructure bill that brought all those jobs back to New Jersey? Is he criticizing the pandemic programs that saved millions of jobs, uh, helped unemployed people during the pandemic pay the bills, that kept our small businesses afloat through the PPP program? Uh, He actually owns a business that took a PPP loan, so he benefited from that spending personally. Uh, I'd like to know exactly what it is that he thinks we shouldn't have done, and then maybe we can have a debate. Personally, I think we did the right thing. We had a near total shutdown of our economy. Uh, We had tens of millions of Americans out of work. By taking the big action that we took, we saved those jobs. Uh, We have 3.5% unemployment in America. We brought back the businesses. Our main streets are thriving in New Jersey. And now having saved the jobs, we got to save the paychecks that go with those jobs. We've got to deal with inflation. Congress just took big action again to lower costs and to reduce inflationary pressures on the economy. So, you know, I'm out there talking about what we're actually doing, what we're actually delivering for voters in New Jersey. I'm not hearing any alternatives from my opponent. Uh, I do see a lot of energy in his party around cultural issues like, again, banning abortion and books and trying to scare people about immigration. That's not what voters in New Jersey want to hear from their leaders. Education and parental rights have been front and center in this race, especially after video surfaced of you calling parents' education concerns, quote, made up cultural BS stemming from a fringe movement. Shortly after that, the state of New Jersey announced new curriculum requirements that would teach second graders about gender identity. Do you believe this issue, you know, the parents are concerned about are made up? Uh, Certainly, I wasn't talking about parents. I was talking about politicians like my opponent, Tom Kane. Mike, I think you you, you come from uh, Westfield, New Jersey, originally. Yeah. I assume you went to school there as a kid. Yeah, I went to Westfield Public Schools, absolutely. Well, there you go. So my, my opponent a few months ago went on Fox News, and he accused elementary school teachers in Westfield, New Jersey, of teaching pornography to second graders. Now, think about how you would react if you were a parent. You heard a leader that you respected saying something like that. You might believe it. And if you believed it, you would be incredibly upset. And I wouldn't blame you as a parent. The problem is he was lying. He, he, he knew that that is not true. And to accuse second grade teachers of something that horrific, knowing it's not true, I think it's incredibly inexcusable. Now, I believe parents absolutely have a right to have a say in what our schools teach our kids. Parents need to play a role in determining curriculum, but at the same time, we do not want to import into New Jersey censorship. We don't want to be banning books. We don't want to be telling teachers that they're going to be sued if they even mention the fact that some kids have gay parents. This is the kind of fear mongering that we don't need in New Jersey in our schools at a time when the big problem in education is a shortage of teachers. 
When the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, you said you delivered on the promise you made to the American people to fight inflation and lower the cost of living, but the recent CPI report found inflation soared to 8.3% in August. Do you still think you delivered, or do you worry about the, the package not living up to the, the marketing? Uh, of course we, we delivered. Uh, the fact that inflation is a problem in our economy is exactly why we passed this bill. Look, one of the most demanded and popular policy provisions that I have ever worked on, demanded by voters who supported President Biden and voters who supported President Trump in 2020, is that we do something about the skyrocketing cost of prescription drugs in this country by allowing, among other things, Medicare finally to negotiate with the drug companies to get those costs down. We did that. Uh, we got the cost of health insurance down for middle-class Americans who couldn't afford it before. We passed an energy bill that not only is going to make all kinds of energy in America more affordable, but that's going to accelerate our independence from foreign fossil fuels that has subjected us to these constant price shocks every time there's something like a war in Ukraine around the world. Now, I would acknowledge that you pass a bill like that and inflation is not going to go away the next day. But these are the concrete steps that government can take to begin to lower cost of living for the American people. And for my opponent to oppose every single one of them while proposing not a single alternative, I think is irresponsible and also not something that's going to help him in this election. You recently faced pushback from constituents at a veterans town hall over Democrats' handling of COVID lockdowns and the economy. Obviously, going through the pandemic, it was a new experience for all of us. But looking back on it, do you worry that things were locked down too long? And do you have any regrets about the way the situation was handled? Well, sure. As far as veterans town halls, I hold them. My opponent doesn't. Uh, I've had over 130 public town halls since I was elected in 2018. He's had exactly zero public meetings since uh, he got into politics 20 years ago in Trenton. New Jersey. So I'm proud that I'm out there taking questions from voters, uh, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. They can all have at me. And of course, some of them are frustrated with the state of the economy. They should be. As far as the lockdown policies, look, I was actually quite vocal a year or more ago, urging schools to open faster than they ultimately did. So it's not a regret looking back. It's something that I was speaking about from the very beginning. I think that's probably the biggest mistake we made as a country. Um, we did provide a lot of assistance to our public schools to get them safe to open again. I'm glad we did that, but I would acknowledge that uh, more Democrats should have been saying what I was saying, and that is get those schools open faster. A big issue in the race is your reported violations of the Stock Act. The New York Times reported that you short-sold shares of Carnival Corporation, Ferrari, and Tesla while sitting on the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure as you face a separate ethics investigation for trades that yielded you millions of dollars. How can New Jersey voters trust that you're not using your knowledge gained in your position as a congressman to personally profit? Well, the Office of Congressional Ethics concluded that I did not do that. The only thing I did, and unfortunately, dozens of other members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, found 
some trouble in was in uh, late reporting of transactions. Uh, mm -hmm. We've worked with the Congressional Ethics Committee to ensure that all of those things were corrected. Um, I don't think any member of Congress should be involved in stock trading, even if, like me, they had no personal involvement in the decisions that uh, their financial advisors were making. Uh, my opponent, Tom Kane Jr., is actively stock trading right now. Uh, last year, we caught him buying and selling stock in a Chinese company that worked with the Chinese defense establishment, doing things that will ultimately help the Chinese military compete with and perhaps fight our own. And when we exposed that, he sold those stocks. Um, so look, no member of Congress should be involved in the stock market. I got out of it a long time ago. Uh, I wish my opponent could say the same. Finally, big picture, you guys have a narrow majority, Democrats right now, um, you know, seven weeks out from the election. How critical is New Jersey 7 to the overall battle for control of the gavel? There are very few congressional districts left in this country that could go either way in November. That is courtesy of partisan gerrymandering, mm -hmm. something that I strongly oppose. I've tried to pass legislation to prohibit it, but here we are. Um, I think voters in districts like mine are looking for middle-of-the-road candidates who are focused on the economy and on practical solutions to the problems that our country is facing right now. I'm the candidate in this race who has built a coalition across party lines. I'm supported by Democrats, of course, but also by a lot of Republicans, including Republican elected officials who've come out and said they can't support my opponent because he's too extreme. And so I have been, and I think will remain, the type of candidate who can win in districts where voters are looking for leaders who put people over politics, who put progress over partisanship. Uh, I've won two tough races. I expect to win another, and I hope that this country keeps moving forward rather than going back to the drama and divisions of the last few years. Congressman Tom Malinowski of the great state of New Jersey, thank you so much for your time. Safe travels on the campaign trail, and we'll be following it. Thank you so much, Mike. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is DeRoy Murdoch with your Fox News commentary coming up. Steve Ducey's been with Fox News Channel since the very beginning in 1996. Hired as the weatherman on a morning show barely anyone watched and told to keep things light. I had no idea that I would become one of the hosts of the number one cable news show in the world. Ducey there in a video for the channel's 25th anniversary last year. Besides being on TV, he's written books about love and marriage, being a dad, and now three cookbooks. About six years ago, my wife Kathy, we were planning a, a trip to Florida. This new one's called The Simply Happy Cookbook, co-written with Kathy. We were going to get new sunglasses, so we went to our eye doctor, and he looked in our eyes and gave us our prescriptions, and he said, you know, Kathy 
why don't you come back in a couple of months? I want to look in your eye again. And it's like, what are you talking about? Anyway, a couple of months later, she came back. She had a very rare form of eye cancer. And uh, during the treatment uh, at Will's Eye Hospital in uh, Pennsylvania, one sleepless night, she was like, you know, if this doesn't work out, I need to write down my recipes so my kids know how to make the stuff they grew up with. And so we started writing it down. And that's where the idea came from, because everybody has happy foods, foods that remind you of home or your mom or a happy time. And so in this new cookbook, we've got another hundred recipes of foods that make people happy. Just to follow up on Kathy's eye cancer diagnosis, um, you talked about it. She talked about it on the air and, and probably saved an eye or maybe a life, right? We know of when the second cookbook came out on Facebook, I saw a note from a guy named Terry and he said, Hey, by the way, uh, Steve, your cookbook and Kathy's story probably saved the life of my friend Vicky because she heard the story and she was about to have her eye removed from her head. And um, the story was that Kathy was, rather than that, they had this treatment with radiation that would kill the cancer. And Vicki got that treatment. And the doctor said it saved your life and probably your eye as well. So she, her vision, I just talked to her a couple of days ago. Her vision is getting better, and she's healthy and happy in Tennessee. Uh, this one's called The Simply Happy Cookbook, um, available now. I think you can get all three in a bundle if you, if, if you want. Um, the idea of this one, Simply, right. um, all three kids got married in the last year. Can you believe it? Mm-mm. And um, it was all during the pandemic for the most part. So Sally, our young one, was actually the first one to get married. And she had 10 guests, all immediate family. Uh, during the pandemic. Uh, Peter got married. He had 18 guests also during the pandemic. And Mary had a real blowout. 25 people. Yeah. So, you know, Sally's original wedding was going to be close to 200 people. So I married, uh, by that math, uh, you know, three weddings, 600 people. We wound (laughs) up, you know, what, 50 people in attendance? Not only did I save a boatload of dough on tipping waiters and stuff like that, but the weddings were boiled down to just the people who were important, and that's just your family. Yeah. Speaking of Peter, a White House correspondent now here at Fox News Channel, um, one of the recipes, the, the recipes are all prefaced with, you know, family stories, photographs. Uh, the Iowa caucus casserole, you were, grew up in Kansas, born in Iowa, and, you, right. and, and so Peter was uh, visiting his ancestral land, I guess, <laughs> uh, for the Iowa caucuses, and there's a recipe that comes out of there. Indeed. Um, when he was in Iowa, uh, I would tell him different towns uh, of interest to our family, and he would go visit. And at a lot of these events, you know, Iowa's the first, you know, that's where they would caucus. A lot of the candidates didn't have money, and so what they would do is their supporters would throw essentially a house party in their house for people who might be interested in listening to Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris come and talk. And so they would make their own casseroles. And in Iowa, everybody's got a casserole. In Minnesota, people have hot dishes and stuff like that. So Peter – was telling me about I had one and it had tater tots on top <laughs> and we came up with a recipe and it's absolutely fantastic 
And uh, it has tater tots on top and uh, cream of mushroom soup and hamburger inside. That sounds that sounds like an Iowa casserole. It's fantastic. Um, some of the some of this is just luck. You had a, a lasagna recipe that I guess was in a previous book, or at least you've you've made it. And right. at some point, some feverish vision came to you and said, "This might be pretty good in a grilled cheese sandwich." And it does look really good in a grilled cheese sandwich. You know, the funny thing is, um, when my wife and I went out on our first date, uh, she made lasagna. And she had never made it before. And it was right out of the Betty Crocker cookbook. So that was like our, that's our meal. Uh, When I was growing up, my mom would make lasagna in Kansas, but people didn't have ricotta cheese in Kansas. She put cottage cheese on it, which is how they do it in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And so lasagna was a thing. We put that in our first cookbook. Kathy's version. And in the second one, it's like, okay, we need something else. So we came up with lasagna soup, which was probably the the most popular recipe in the second cookbook. So during the pandemic, we're sitting at our house and it's like, we got to come up with something lasagna-y. And I said, what about a sandwich? Uh, and we talked a little bit about it. And then I said, what about a what about a grilled cheese sandwich? And my future son-in-law said, I think that sounds terrible. <laughs> and so I wanted to prove him wrong. And uh, within an hour, we had created this, and we've done some tweaking to it, but it is the best darn sandwich I've ever had. I mean, you can do a lot of magic with food photography, and I haven't made that recipe, but the, the picture looked really, really good. Well, think about it. You know, you love a grilled cheese because the, the bread on the outside essentially becomes the noodles in a lasagna. But in lasagna, the noodles aren't buttered and crispy, <laughs> and so they're delicious. And then you got the good lasagna stuff inside, so it's fantastic. More health food. Um, what's grandma's braided bacon meatloaf? I come from a family of meatloaf makers. The bacon braided part is from the guys at Masterbuilt who come on Fox mm. & Friends all the time. And what they do is they, they make this weave, like a basket weave, out of bacon. <laughs> and then you make a meatloaf, and you wrap in it, and you bake it for 90 minutes. And I'll tell you, it is fantastic. Uh, you've got some celebrity contributors in here, some people from around Fox, uh, Dana Perino, Gutfeld, Jesse Waters, et cetera. Um, you got something from Dan Bongino's wife. Okay, so um, he, uh, we were talking about it a couple of months ago on TV, and he said, you know, that recipe that his wife came up with is so delicious, they have it all the time. He had been, when he was Secret Service, he was traveling with the Bush twins, I want to say in South America. And uh, when... They were able to grab meals. Um, There was a little bakery next door to their hotel, and he got these empanadas. And he told his wife he loved them, but they were fried. And he said, I'm eating 15 or 20 a day. And she said, that's not good for you. (laughs) And so she came up with a recipe for him where they're baked. And rather than a heavy tortilla, uh, she puts them in egg roll wrappers. They are absolutely fantastic. You tried everything or close to it in the book? I've made everything in the book at least five times. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stories in here about you coaching your kids. Yeah. Admirable for any dad, especially admirable for a dad who gets up at the crack of whatever. Three. Tell the home run story. Well, my son Peter, um, when we realized he would not get into Harvard on a soccer scholarship, shifted to softball and baseball. And he really, you know, he loved the New York Yankees growing up in New Jersey across the river from New York City. And um, he just didn't get to play much. And we knew that if he were going to make the high school team, the varsity team, he would have to play a lot in rec ball. Uh, But his coaches just wouldn't put him in. 
one game when I, I forget what we don't remember exactly what year it was, either third or fourth or fifth grade. Um, the coach said, hey, Ducey. And Peter had been on the bench the entire season. He said, you're going to pinch hit for this guy. And, you know, we're thinking, does he know what that means? Because <laughs> I don't think so. And so Peter gets up and um, just like on TV, he takes his bat and he knocks his cleats and knocks the the sod off the cleats. And we thought, oh, that looks like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and then he got into the position that we had practiced a million times at the batting cages. And uh, the kid who was the pitcher was the best pitcher in our town. And so we knew that uh, this was not going to be pretty. Just as Peter is about to receive the first ball, Phil Sims, the two-time winning Super Bowl <laughs> uh, quarterback for the New York Giants, and his son come into the rec league mm-hmm. baseball game. And every head in the place turns towards Phil Sims, including everybody on all the teams, <laughs> uh, except the pitcher and Peter. And they were paying attention to business. And Peter's first ball was low and outside. I wouldn't have swung at it in a million years, but he thought, you know what? I may never get another chance. <laughs> he stepped into it. He whacked the ball. And it surprised everybody because wherever it went, they had no idea. Nobody on the team knew where the ball went. Because they're looking at Sims. Exactly. They're looking at Phil Sims. Uh, and so Peter got an inside the the park home run <laughs> thanks to the guy with two Super Bowl rings. Great story. Uh, and there's a ton of them in the Simply Happy Cookbook by Steve and Kathy Ducey. You can get it now wherever you, uh, wherever you get your books. Steve, exactly. good to talk to you. Good to see you. Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will be among the dignitaries attending the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth II. The funeral is expected to be the most watched event in history. Wednesday. The Federal Reserve Board ends its monthly two-day meeting and could announce another increase in its benchmark interest rate. The Fed has said it will raise the rate until it feels inflation has been brought under control. Thursday. Fall officially arrives with the autumnal equinox, marking the point when the number of daylight and nighttime hours are nearly equal. The sun will also begin rising later and setting earlier. Saturday is National Public Lands Day, commemorating the importance of public lands for those who enjoy outdoor recreation such as fishing, camping, and observing wildlife. It's also National Hunting and Fishing Day, recognizing sportsmen and women for their contributions to the nation's sport heritage and natural resources. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. DeRoy Murdoch. What's on your mind? Strategic amnesia is a new syndrome that lets Democrats forget that they're guilty of the same behavior for which they demonize Republicans, especially when the GOP is innocent as charged. Strategic amnesiac in chief Joe Biden embodied this neurosis during the snarl heard around the world, his recent corrosive, divisive speech from Philadelphia's Independence Hall. Biden vilified mega-Republicans, President Donald J. Trump's 74 million voters. Biden shouted this about the so-called mega-Republicans. 
They refuse to accept the results of a free election. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Biden bitterly concluded, democracy cannot survive when one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election. Either they win or they were cheated. Just as it has addled his fellow leftists, Biden's strategic amnesia befogged his memories of how Democrats handled Trump's triumph over Hillary Clinton. To recollect the anger, chaos, lies, and violence that Democrats unleashed after November 8, 2016, Biden and his kameraden should consult Rigged, Molly Hemingway's first-rate chronicle of the 2020 election's anomalies, irregularities, and frauds. Hemingway also recaps what happened when Clinton blew an election that she supposedly had locked up. As Hemingway wrote, and I quote, Rather than accept that Trump won and Clinton lost fair and square, the political and media establishments desperately sought to explain away Trump's victory, unquote. Democrats coaxed themselves with a collective hallucination. Siberian candidate Trump swiped the White House in cahoots with his fellow KGB alumnus Vladimir Putin. Four different federal probes by the FBI, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees, and Special Counsel Robert Mueller devoured the next three years and concluded that the closest Team Trump got to Russian collusion was savoring Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite. The Russia hoax was a big lie. Never mind, the Democrat Non-Acceptance Caucus denounced Trump as a faux president. Hillary Clinton declared, I know he's an illegitimate president. She added, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Next, the Democrat chaos campaign targeted the Electoral College. Martin Sheen, Noah Wiley, and other actors starred in ads for Americans Take Action. They urged Republican Electoral College members to ignore their voters' will and instead dump Trump. Michigan elector Michael Benarian told CNN, and I quote, These people not only call for the burning of myself, but my family. I've had people talk about putting a bullet in the back of my mouth. During January 2017's election certification ceremony, seven House Democrats challenged Trump's electors from 10 states, including Alabama and Wyoming, which he carried by 28 percent and 48 percent, respectively. The Constitution and the Electoral Count Act of 1887 enable these Democrats to object, just as these documents empowered Republicans to oppose pro-Biden electors on January 6, 2021. After Hillary lost, her supporters clogged streets from coast to coast. Others waved placards that read, we don't accept the president-elect. While Team Biden's strategic amnesia obscures these facts, the right should use them to expose the left's sins. I'm DeRoy Murdoch. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.